Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today's episode, we've got an Indiana Jones crazy adventure experimental thing for you today. Really? Huh? Really? Well, we got um, mysterious caves, findings in mountains, Nazi um, occult findings, and mysterious skulls with potential alien origin. Oh, wow. I should have worn my safari-style outfit. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, it's kind of very much like that. Yeah, that's and what I was thinking. But missed out. I didn't get the... The memo? Yeah. I mean, I told, I told her last week in the no. podcast, which was actually yesterday, because we're recording this back to back. You didn't say it was Indiana Jones-themed, because I would have loved that. Well, it's not Indiana Jones-themed. Okay. It's just... Uh, Anyway, I just wanted an excuse to wear my hat. Yeah, you love your cowboy hat. Twelve dollars on Amazon. Anywho, <laughs> the only way you can find non-vegan leather. You mean vegan leather, not non-vegan leather. <laughs> <laughs> vegan leather. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I began doing the research in from for the last episode, and you know, finding mysterious beings, and I came across these skulls which we will get into in a little bit. But as I was exploring the skulls, this the region where they were found came up in like my research. And it turns out that this region um, is really a hot spot for a bunch of different things. Like a whole amount of UFO sightings have been seen here, all these experiments. There was a road that connected Germany and like World War II tunnels, Russian and German tunnels through these mountains. Apparently it's entrance that some of the caves are said to be an entrance to inner earth. There's all this kind of stuff surrounding these this area. And this area is called the Caucasus Mountains. And you can see it's on the border of the Black Sea and yeah. Here it is now. And before we get into our occult and mysterious stuff, kind of wanted to set a little bit of a backdrop of this area because um, the research that we'll be diving into um, is qu quite a many years back. And then recently that they've discovered some megalithic structures as well in, the, in these mountains, mm. which is... Good really old interesting. old megalithic structures. Very I, I love my megalithic. Handbook. I love my megalithic structures. <laughs> so, the Western Caucasus, extending over two hundred seventy thousand acres of the extreme western end of the Caucasus Mountains, and located fifty kilometers northeast of the Black Sea, is one of the few large mountain areas of Europe that has not experienced significant human impact. It's really beautiful, there's pristine landscape, and thousands of ancient megalithic structures built many thousands of years ago. Archaeologists have no freaking clue who built them, where the stones came from, or what their true purpose was, leading to a lot of speculation in the scientific community. 
The Russians call the megalithic structures dolmens, which means portal tomb. Go investigate that tomb. <laughs> Tag you along. You want to come along, babe? Oh, yeah, baby. Go investigate those portal tombs. <laughs> but despite the name, there's no solid evidence that their original purpose was for burial. Archaeologists put their age at 4,000 to 6,000 years, though some can date them back to 12,000 years ago, um, and even to 20,000. So there's a bit of a debate, as there always is in the age of things, um, when it comes to archaeological evidence. But um, the stuff that they were basing it on was the pottery found in the vicinity of the dolmens, as well as some human remains. But there's no way to prove if these human remains and pottery came after and they kind of settled in this area where the megalithic stone structures were because they don't have any evidence that supports that the people who lived there actually knew how to build. You know, the remains that they found actually were at a technological level that knew how to build these megalithic structures. Mm. So like many of the megalithic structures in the past, it could have been that settlers came, found these megalithic structures and settled around there but that they were pre-built beforehand. Um, it's still not known who built them. And while there are tens of thousands of known dolmens throughout the world, particularly throughout Europe, the Caucasian dolmens represent a unique type of prehistoric history built with precisely dressed cyclop cyclopic stone blocks. The stones were, for example, shaped into 90 degree angles to be used as corners, and all of them are punctuated with a portal in the center of the facade. While round holes are, most, are the most common, squares have also been found. Stone plugs have been found at almost every tomb and were used to block the portal at the front. So these circles are like perfectly formed. Yeah, and it's, it's very interesting that you think you'd need a tool to create that. Yeah. Like, it's... But it dates back before, like, the kind of tools we see today that create yeah. perfect circles and things like metal and stone and wood. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really impressive. In the front of the facade is a court that usually extends out, creating an area where rich rituals are believed to have taken place. The court is usually outlined by large stone walls, sometimes over a meter high. It is in this area that... Bronze and Iron Age pottery has been found along with human remains, bronze tools, and ornaments made from silver, gold, or precious stones. So here's a photo of one of the dolmens and the surrounding stones. Um, so what is something notable is that some of the dolmens, the rocks and stones are much larger, and then the surrounding brickwork is much smaller. Mm. So it could be an addition. Approximately 3,000 of these megalithic monuments are known in the Western Caucasus, but more are constantly being found. So over 3,000, they keep finding more. The average weight of each structure is from 15 to 30 tons, yet there is not even the slightest trace of a quarry in the Western Caucasus, nor have any paths been found with evidence of heavy loads having been brought to the built site. The construction itself is so awe-inspiring um, that within most of the dolmites, the huge stone plates join each other precisely, 
with specifically made grooves. The joint places are so close in places that it's impossible to even slide a knife blade between the plates. In 2007, it was decided to reconstruct a dolmen from the stone plates of destroyed structures in Gelenzig and carry out the processing and fitting with high-precision electric tools. Despite the help of modern technology, the builders were unable to achieve the same level of precision as the original builders. And that's what always baffles people today. It's like, we have an idea of history, we have an idea that you know, we, we're at a certain level, but then when we can't reproduce what these people were doing yeah. thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, makes you think of a more advanced past civilization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who were the people who achieved such precision in, constru in construction? According to the Vladimir Markovin, an archaeologist who has devoted much of his life to studying the Caucasus and Dolmens, the people at the time lived in mud huts and had no knowledge of iron or the pottery wheel and cu cultivated land with hoes. Yet they still had constructions whose design is impressive even by modern standards. And I think he's kind of implying maybe these people didn't build them, you know, and they couldn't, they didn't even live in mud huts. I mean, they just only lived in mud huts, but then how could they achieve that at the same time? Many locals will tell you the legends of the dwarves who once settled in the area. People who were so tiny that they used hares for riding, and just like in fairy tales, they lived alongside giants who built stone dwellings for their feeble neighbors so that they could take shelters in bad weather. However, the giants were not repaid for their kindness. In order to tame the giants, the little people blinded them and gave them mind-altering herbs. The giants began to lose their minds, unleashed war and carnage, resulting in mass extinction of both the dwarves and the giants with only the stone houses remaining. So that's obviously the legend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> that's cool. The little, it's, no, yeah, it's, it's a story that's told amongst the people to try and explain this. Yeah. Know? But it's funny to think of these little um, dwarves giving <laughs> giants yeah. hallucinogenic mushrooms. And Mind altering. <laughs> Yeah. It'd be so cool though, like, to be so small that you could ride on the back of a rabbit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, in um, the Lord of the Rings, and I think the Hobbit version, they, you know, there's one of the wizards and he, like, sits on uh, a sleigh and then he has rabbits pulling the sleigh. Oh, yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah. So, oop. Before we get into that, <laughs> now, so that's kind of setting the scenario for an ancient history with the Caucasus Mountains. But as I mentioned before, the Caucasus Mountains are a place of both historical importance and it would seem a hot spot for paranormal activity and mysterious finds. Perhaps none more mysterious than the finds of an alien skull and Nazi briefcases news of which appeared online in early 2016. Although the discoveries were not made together, their close proximity raised an eyebrow or two amongst researchers of Nazi secret projects, particularly those of the, uh, I need to see, figure out how to pronounce this, Anenerb, Aner, Anenerb projects that saw the Third Reich invest countless research, resources and manpower 
in the search for ancient knowledge and relics. Okay, so amongst Nazi secret societies, the Annenerb is pretty famous. They were tasked um, during the Nazi regime to find relics like the Holy Grail or like ancient technology. Interesting. And they were also tasked with trying to prove the existence of the Aryan race, that there was some sort of supreme alien race that the Germans were descended from. Oh, right. Okay. So they're... Yeah, because the Nazis were very occult and esoteric, and yeah. they had this belief that um, there was a superior alien race at, at one point, and that the, the Germans were the closest descendants of those beings. So that's what, I mean... Slightly problematic. Yeah. And that was kind of his excuse to try and eliminate all the other races. Yeah. So it was not used well. Um, so the found, finder of these um, things and the person responsible for bringing them to the public, his name is Vladimir Melikov. He believes the remains of the skull not only proof of alien contact in the distant past, but that the Nazi regime was actively interested in the remains of technology once utilized by a cosmic race. So, furthermore, as we will look at later, it would appear likely there is a connection between the demon-like skull, many people when they saw the skull thought it was demonic, um, and the Perhaps the better-known Paracas skulls discovered in 1928 on the other side of the world in Peru, which we kind of talked about with the elongated skulls. And if that is the case, then it surely does offer proof of alien civilizations and their presence here on Earth thousands of years ago. So the first um, skull, I think it was called the Chiakov um, skull. I need to figure out how to pronounce that. So it was called the Bolshoi Chiak skulls. And. Are they the elongated ones? No, no, this is the, the ones that they found in these mount, this mountain. Oh, so they range. found more than one? Yeah, they found two alien they kind looking of look skulls. They like they have horns on yeah. the side. So one of the articles surrounding it um, called them the horned skulls. Um, it would appear the discovery of the bizarre skull was made in the summer of 2014 by a team of researchers led by a Russian ethnographer, Vladimir Melikov. The find came to light in a cave in the area around Mount Bolshoi, Mount Bolshoi Tach in the Ad Adigia region of the Caucasus mountain range. The strange skull had an apparent horned look leading some to describe it as having a demonic appearance. Initial testing on the skulls suggests they belong to a bipedal species unknown to science. The finding was based on, a Malik on what Malakoff says is that the presence of the hole at the bottom of the skull where the spine attaches. So this is why they're thinking it's a bipedal species. There was this hole at the bottom of the skull where the spine attaches, which proves that the creature was walking upright on two legs because it is um, very similar to what we have as humans on our skull, um, where the spine attaches to the skull. 
there was a couple strange um, differences about the skull, most notably the horned sh shape that came out on either side, but it also has a very unusual um, skull formation. So it does not have a cranial vault as with humans, and that means like a brain vault, a place to store a brain. It mm -hmm. also has no jaws. The whole head is one fixed bony enclosure and the large eye sockets arch back and then that's when we have the horn-like exten extensions coming out from, from the sides. And he sent photos to paleontologists but they just tried to dismiss it as a ram skull that had been exposed to different weather conditions. But when you actually look at a ram skull, and I'll put a ram skull up here in comparison to that, I really don't see how the two ha could have, you know, how they're any similar at all. Can't they test it for DNA? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think... And see if it has, like, the DNA of a ram or... Yeah. Well, they did um, do a little bit of testing, and they found that it was around 4,000 years old. So, um, yeah. And the find fuels, and we're, we'll go into a bit of the more differences, kind of comparing some side-by-side -side images of the skull and a human skull. But the find further fuels speculation of an unknown species that possibly calls the cave systems of the Caucasus Mountains and unknown reaches of the inner earth home. So, you know, people have been thinking like, oh, is, are the caves of the Caucasus linked to some sort of inner earth because of this strange skull that they found? It's strange, like, that there's no brain space. So that's, that's really thrown me. Yeah. So I kind of imagined that perhaps maybe this alien has some sort of, like, cartilage sac between the horns. And I'll show you a drawing that I did a bit later to okay. kind of imagine it. Um, but yeah, so it also raises the claims made by many researchers over the second half of the 20th century that Hitler and the Nazi regime were actively utilizing advanced alien technology and that their search for ancient relics and knowledge may have been far more successful than many might imagine. Melikov himself believes the remains belong to an alien species that visited Earth in the past. Also an experienced cryptozoologist, Melikov would point to the round hole at the bottom of the head and how its um, and how its positioning showed the creature moved on two legs. He would also note the strange absence of the cranial vault. The eyes would appear to be unusually large, while two separate markings above the eyes would suggest the presence of horns. This in spite <clears throat> this in spite of the flat facial bones, typically of hominids. So. An already mysterious find would soon take an intriguing, if dark, twist. So this is where we can kind of go. Um, there's this website, and they did a great comparison. So the skulls are currently being exhibited in a museum in Russia. And he has a lot of other Nazi artifacts within this museum. Um, but the skulls have been tested and have been proven to be bone. So they are legitimate skulls. But where they come from is unknown. And in the following pictures, you'll see two skulls. The top skull has gained the most attention, but the bottom skull is 
also very different. I feel like and the bottom skull is more... And that's the one that I drew inspiration from. Yeah, I for feel me. like that to me is... The top one looks more like it could be, like, possibly an animal. Yeah. The bottom one, really, I don't know. It's like, because it wouldn't even... I don't know how horns work, but, like, they would... It wouldn't look so smoothly attached to the skull like that, right? I don't know. Well, they're saying that this... Have you got any, like, ram skulls to look at? Um, I can try and pull it up. Let's see. So, what they're saying is that, you know, it's not actually... Those aren't horns, they're horned-like, you know, just... Be, but yeah. he was saying that the horns would have attached... If they had horns, it would be on these little holes that are in the... The, here like above the eye sockets um, but this is actually part of the skull itself yeah. it's not an external horn bone or anything so if we if the internet works and we look up a ram skull you see what I it's mean? so like, different the, the, so so the different. bone part that's what I was imagining like the bone part it's not the same type of bone as the skull it's like got a different color no. Yeah. ram on the screen now so yeah. everyone can see like it's yeah it's not the same like it's, it's not it's the same. also it's like attached with like a line you know like here yeah. it has these it's almost yeah it's not like smoothly attached like smoothly just a part of the skull is it no like it's like attached to a part of the and skull when you look at a ram skull it's just so different the eyes are on the side of the head the mouth is very different. There's there's evidence of a jaw and a structure there. The nose, you know, it's very elongated where the skull that we have here is face forward, eyes forward, nose, nostril holes right below the eyes, very similar to what a human would look like. And if we found just one of the skulls, then maybe, okay, there's some sort of anomaly. But the fact that you find two and they're so similar there are some obvious differences. Are they found in different areas again? No, they were found in the same same, area. same place. So we'll look through these, and you can obviously see, see the structures of the bones here and the comparison to a human skull. So, yeah, in... So in... in yeah, so the eyes are facing forward, suggesting a predator-type being because those with eyes on the side are normally, you know, prey. prey like, and the eye cavity is stretched out. You know, it's, it's quite um, oval shape almost and not as round as with humans. Its edge is not smooth, but undulating. Has like a little, has these ridges you can see here. That could be from like damage. Could be from damage, but they're pretty consistent. Hmm. Um, you'd have to explain what kind of weathering would have these consistent ripples um, through both sides of the socket. Um, yeah, so especially the top part of the eye cavity rim has a sawtooth edge. Could be some sort of being with, um, I don't know. The nose holes are very small and square. In a human skull, those nose holes, nose holes are larger and triangular in shape. And the two holes underneath the nose holes on either side have a channel running upwards and sideways. Are these additional air passages or places where a strong muscle was attached? Um, 
Here's a side view of the skull. The face goes straight down and arches mm. backwards at the bottom. So there's a, obviously a suture here. You can see that's a skull suture like what we have. But what's strange is that there's no lower jaw as with humans. The whole head is made up of skull plates fused together at the sutures. From a bottom view, you can see that the eye cavity is huge, really, really wide compared to a human. And at the very bottom is an opening. Could this be a small mouth part? If it is a mouth, then the being did not bite or chew, but could only have sucked in its food. And that's where I kind of imagined, I started, got quite inspired by it. Mm. And I did like a, a little drawing here of, so here's like the skull, this is the bottom skull, and then what I kind of imagined based on the description. Is it, it's not in, the microphone's not in the way, is it? Oh yeah, here. But I'll, I'll put a real photo up oh, on okay, the screen. Cool. So, yeah, I, I kind of imagined like, you know how an octopus they have this like beak and you know they can they eat their prey through a small hole in their mouth i was thinking perhaps it's <laughs> has some sort of mechanism like that and has external appendages to help it you know position the food yeah um so i kind of imagined it with these tentacle like, yeah. like things <laughs> and you can see i made the the different holes for potential breathing or you know tasting and different mechanisms and I gave him four eyes <laughs> just because of those really huge um, eye sockets in but you could also imagine what two but giant eyes alien eyes like if you think of the typical image of a gray like they have huge eyes compared to the rest of their skull their face mm. so like when we was looking at those skulls i was definitely thinking oh this really could be especially the flat face as well because you know how they like in a lot of images of greys they only have like little like slits, slits for nose for their nose they don't have like a nose that comes out mm. so i think like with the flat face the huge eyes that's very the, different the from a gray is skull. different yeah but i mean maybe that's like a advanced alien thing like the flat face the small nose the big eyes like it's yeah. obviously a different type of alien and i agree with you like something kind of how you've drawn down here um looks similar to what maybe it could yeah and i had a couple different images one that started coming out was like you know if it had the tentacly thing then you know those fingers i kind of tried to you know make them almost like amphibious in, in nature with a long neck but i also had another version of it which was a bit more brutal you know more hulking sharper fingers but yeah this is just completely out of my own imagination yeah, because I'm... i was quite inspired by it but it could also possibly be some type of like extinct ocean creature it could be possibly like, yeah the only the thing is that is the connection to the spinal column at the base of the skull like a human yeah. which really only points to bipedal walking figures yeah okay. so it's just so strange like that there's no space for a brain so yeah, so what I imagined, <laughs> I didn't draw it in because I actually didn't have time, but maybe some sort of like cartilage brain sack. That yeah, was like almost when you like, see those like cartons of like with the open brain. Yeah, with the open brain or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. 
So in the rear view, um, here you can see clearly that the skull arches backward and sideways in two parts. It gives the impression of horns, but this is actually all part of the skull. The bottom is wider and has a hole where the spine attaches. And it's very different from a human skull where, I mean, the spine attaches here and kind of through the, you know, behind the jaw, but there's no jaw here. It just like attaches right at the bottom there. But you can see that the spinal shape is different. It's more oval as well compared to this one, mm. which is almost like a soft triangle kind of shape with rounded edges. Um, and here we have the bottom view with the face of the skull is lying down on the table and eye sockets are at the bottom of the picture. You can see the mouth opening at the top of the picture. Look at the strange indentations on the left and right above the holes. So who knows what these parts are too. Where's the and mouth? Here, I'm think, I think he's saying that this is the mouth. That's the way the spine But that's why I'm thinking in. the spine goes, yeah. So maybe this is the mouth? <laughs> Here? No, but that looks very small. Um, so here's the lower skull. This is the one that I actually take took the inspiration off of. And yeah, you can see they're very similar in many ways, but this part, this one seems to be missing like this middle part in, com you know, compared to this guy who has this whole structure yeah. here. This guy's missing that and the skull also has the two sideways extension but they're kind of a bit more upward than skull one and the top parts have been broken off compared to these which looked they look you know rounded where these ones are like fragmented and split you know yeah. so yeah the creature seems to have a big nose at least a big nose hole um although the nose holes are still smaller than those of a human um, with the ridges around it the thick dividing bone between the two holes suggest a thick fleshy nose nose holes are also rectangular it might have had a lower detachable jaw that got lost but if we're comparing it to the first image we're not sure because the first guy really didn't have any might have might be that this part got broken off somehow yeah like they could have like a jaw that connects i don't know that's lost it somehow yeah. connects to that weird maybe skull. but they have no teeth right so yeah normally teeth are you know they stay with the skull yeah so in this one we also find large holes next to the eye cavities like really big holes um, which he, you know, the person who wrote this is questioning ear holes maybe or some sort of way to um, accept, you know, to interpret sound. And yeah, compared with the human skull. Where's the ear holes on the human? This one? On the human one. They go in there. Yeah, maybe. It must go in here or like down there. Mm. Yeah, our ears are behind our jawbone, so yeah, okay. they're back there. The back, the rear view is kind of, is very similar to skull one. And the side view shows clearly the flat head. Ah, so that's very interesting. I actually didn't quite notice that when I did my drawing, but 
it, these would actually be going flat instead of upwards. Oh. So the horns are back going backwards. But yeah. Very strange, very interesting, and no one is really, um, you know, what we know from archaeology and paleontology is like a lot of people don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, if it's not like a mainstream thing, because I guess you you want to get paid after spending all that money in university, and a lot of, you know, this sort of stuff, it isn't supported. <laughs> you can't like get a grant, you can't like be paid to study these things right yeah so that's really all we've got about the skulls some guy just still has it in the museum in russia yeah. and um some tests have been done who knows if anything will come out in the future but that's really all we've got about the skulls really cool really strange and they raise a lot of questions i know that there's been some people who um are relating this to the anunnaki it kind of always. Any I always think the, the Anunnaki would be more pointy head, you know, cone head. No, we don't know. Elongated head. Like I don't know, but I don't know. I just feel like, you know, there's a lot more of those elongated heads. In Syria, the people, the Anunnaki were bigger, but they were always de depicted with like very bearded. So they've kind of been depicted differently. Yeah. Uh, and then the people of Anu, which is the Thuade Danan. The elf episode that we did, you know, people also thought maybe these are ancient pro progenitors, um, Anunnaki. And I can't remember, one of our followers made a suggestion that Anunnaki could be used as an umbrella term to... Yeah, Rochelle from Amethyst Ascension yeah, said that, yeah. To talk about many different types of races, so that could be a potential too. Yeah, I think so. That the sky people were not just one race of beings, but mm. several. Yeah, so as we said, this mysterious find is also linked with a dark twist. As around two years later, a local hermit who called the woodland around Mount Bolshoi Chthak home would approach Melikov. Aware of Melikov's work, the man would hand over a briefcase itself awash with Nazi symbols and, and insignia. Inside was a detailed map of the entire Adigea region, which is in this mountain, dated to 1941. According to the hermit, the briefcase was hidden away only a short distance from where Melikov had discovered the alien skulls. Melikov immediately recognized the emblem of the Nazi Anenerb group, active from 1935 until the end of the war. And with the official moniker of the Ancestral Heritage Research and Teaching Society, the organization's main focus was the hunting down and capturing of ancient relics and knowledge. Some firmly believed the group, at least those high-ranking members, were actively seeking an entrance to the inner earth and communication with its apparent inhabitants. And perhaps, you know, we might have to do an episode about the Vril Society. Um, and the Vril Society was, has a lot of links to Antarctica and a potential inner Earth entrance in Antarctica. Ooh. So we might have to do a follow-up episode with the Vril Society and their link to 
um, how you know Nazi Germany was searching for these occult and paranormal things. Yeah, there's like a lot of claims <laughs> from people that the Nazis like actually had you know alien technology and there's been like I think uh, like military people that have come out and said that like yeah they you know witnessed that back in the war and mm. things and that's so it doesn't really surprise me no. you know this and also there's the um you know the stuff that uh, Mr. Bird was saying about... Mr. Bird? Admiral Bird? Admiral Bird. I can't remember his first name. Was it Brian? Um, Richard, Richard E. Bird. Richard E. Bird. Um, you know, his story was... Didn't that cut, say that mm -hmm. he saw Nazis there at the North Pole? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he actually saw... Yeah, he said he, he saw in one flight... Um, a Nazi thing and then you know that was supported by all this government US government um, funding all these uh, expeditions to Antarctica after mm. that he also said that he found a race of beings in Antarctica and this is in his log which we've covered in previous episodes yeah. but in this log he said one of the spaceships had a um, you know one of those symbols on it the swastika symbol but when we think the swastika symbol is cut yeah right, they took that they took that yeah. you know it's not this the symbol was something before yeah and it's used through many different cultures most notably in the indian cultures and um some various branches of hinduism Ton tons of like ancient more like cultures and stuff it's shown yeah. up in history a lot that symbol way before the nazis claimed it but now given it a bad name yeah and i think it is a shame because a lot of this information is sourced out by you know negative people with bad intentions such as the nazis um and hitler and governments you know when you think of the bob schneider stuff and all that um, you know, research that is being done secretly on these UFO vehicles and... Bob Lazar? Oh, Bob Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Bob Schneider? He's someone else, isn't he? Yeah. It rings oh, my a apologies. Bell. I'm so bad with names. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't say Trey's name for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> couldn't say my name for like the for first six weeks. months of our relationship. No, it wasn't. It was, it was a couple was, of weeks. It was not a few weeks. Yeah, he has an unusual name, Trahan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm really bad at remembering names, but yeah, that he, Bob. Well, yeah, he Bob Lazar was in charge of like um, working on recovered um, UFO technology in the area 51 area yeah not specifically but it's just the fact that they keep that secret from us it's so like top secret it gives this like you know it feels like there's negative intentions behind what they're doing yeah you know? well if they can you know because they're withholding information from the public and they're deciding like what's their baby in the public deciding what's okay like even now the 
the footage that the that the government has released in America about um, UFO sightings, you know, they've had a lot of this information for years and they're only just deciding to release it or a lot of stuff is blacked out. And now, you know, when we look back in history and we see how the Nazis were seeking all this information, trying to find out to benefit themselves and benefit their agendas and yeah it's just such a shame because it brings this like dark cloud over it yeah because you have to go into these sort of sources to actually get information on it like yeah and it's not so out of the question to me that the germans at that time may have found some sort of remnants if the u.s government have found it as well. You know? Well, if the stories are true that they were seen in North Pole, Antarctica, then, Antarctica, sorry, then um, they did get the the technology, didn't they? Because you don't mm. get up there that easy. Yeah, yeah, very very possible. I mean, th- I know that there's um, whole expeditions out there with like. R- you know, log evidence that there were entire um, German bases, military bases I've heard in that Antarctica. From a lot of psychics as well say, obviously, yeah. you can that can only hold so much weight. But it is interesting, like the claims around um, the Nazis and getting alien technology, like, and this would have been, you know, way back, you know. Yeah. So. That yeah. means it's been around for a lot longer than our lifetimes. Yeah, so the the secret society, the German secret society, Nazis German, you know, Nazi secret society, um, through the Anner Bay <laughs> group, were searching for some sort of lost technology and link to the Aryan race and... Um, you know, there was a claim from the granddaughter of President Eisenhower, Laura Eisenhower, who claimed recently that things are happening in the background of a, quote, a world most of us don't realize exists. She would also go on to state that the Second World War didn't end, but, quote, was still being fought behind the scenes. It's like this whole other reality is going on that we don't hear about. These timelines and deeper history connected to secret societies, connected to these deeper ET agendas that have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. End quote. So this is a daughter from you know the daughter of the president. She's obviously got some inside knowledge. It's believable. Yeah, there's there's evidence of persistent Nazi missions within the Caucasus mountain region, as well as the briefcase. It's briefcase itself. There were contents inside it, a ring, for example, that would seem to have once belonged to a Nazi soldier or high-ranking party member. There was also a very precise map of the region. Melikov believes that the connection between the two finds is strong, and the Nazi officers were searching the region, probably as a secret mission during the Nazi push towards Moscow, in order to locate both the skulls and any remains of ancient alien technology. Other, others believe the remains to be neither alien or human, but something demonic. Given the well-documented interest in the occult by many high-ranking Nazi members, perhaps that is not as wild an assertion as it first looks. 
could they have potentially opened up a wormhole using these ancient megalithic structures, some sort of gateway or door to another realm? Mm. It's all up in the air, but it certainly isn't the only evidence that the Nazis had an interest in the region. Only a short time before Melikov's discovery came the uncovering of another Nazi briefcase with the same honor honor Ananerbe insignia on it on Mount Elbrus, which is the highest mountain in Europe. And once again, a ring would come to light as well as several Nazi uniforms. Even the remains of a German huntsman was found. Melikov would offer examination of the remains as well as sending detailed pictures of the finds to paleontologists, including ones in Moscow. However, few would show an interest in them as per usual, with one suggesting the, sh- the skulls could be sheep remains, like we said before, distorted by pressure over many years. And it's just such a bad explanation, you know? It doesn't look yeah, like anything like a sheep skull. I think at least like do skull. DNA testing. Yeah. And then you'll know, like, oh, if it's sheep DNA, then yeah, it's sheep DNA, and then put it to rest. But just, like, you know, brushing it off as that is not good enough. Yeah. Can you do DNA testing on dry bones? Yeah, I think so. Because hmm. I'm trying to think of like, you know when... Don't they DNA test fossils? Do they? I, can, I don't know the science of that. I'll but... quickly check it out. Yeah, so Malakov is far from standing on in his beliefs. Professors of economics at Maikop State University... Ivan Bormotov shares a similar view. It's his belief that the Nazi regime was sending surveillance expedition into the Caucasus Mountains, in particular the Adigea region, as late it as 1944. DNA is one of the best. Yeah, from decomposed human remains. Even after the flesh is decomposed, DNA can often be obtained from demineralized bones. Cool. Yeah, nice. So Bormotov, however, perhaps erring on the right side of caution, would offer he wasn't sure that the Nazis knew that they were, what they were looking for. He would also state, though, perhaps as a caveat to his own skepticism, that regardless of what the truth may be, the remains found in the mountain of Adigea will force you to think. Are you thinking? <laughs> You're being forced to think right I now. I think so. Others, though, <laughs> believe they knew exactly what they were looking for. As the war raged on and the tide was slowly turning against the Third Reich, the Nazis were increasingly throwing resources behind the search for super weapons and advanced technology that could turn the war back in the favor in one quick strike. So much so that as well as searching for advanced ancient technology, they were also studying UFOs and attempting to make contact with aliens so that they might obtain advanced technology. The aforementioned expeditions into the Caucasus region throughout the early 1940s were not a one-off. I mean, the 1940s, that's when E. Bird was doing his thing too, wasn't it? Around that time, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it the 60s? I don't think so. Okay. Not sure. Um, The Nazi regime would send similar missions to Tibet, Antarctica, and North Africa. They would even travel to the regions once home to the ancient Indus Valley civilization. Basically, their depiction and their interest in such relics in the Indiana Jones movies is completely accurate. 
<laughs> well, not completely accurate, but the interest in such relics, you know, they were high, high, like in the Indiana Jones movies, they were hunting for like the um, fountain of youth, the, the elongated skulls, the holy grail, mm. all those sorts of things. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that's going on here. And one of them is the bizarre conspiracies of the Lake Ritza project. And these activities were taking place before the war. As we have written about before, a series of pacts between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union was signed in the run-up to the Second World War. And there are many claims as to the true reason these deals went ahead. And in a world where dual thinking is a necessity, there is probably a degree of truth in all of them. In 1936, the Nazi, Nazi regime, in an effort to show friendship between themselves and the Soviets, would begin the tunnel project that would connect the Black Sea coast to Lake Ritza, which resides in the Caucasus region, what is now modern-day Georgia. This would make it possible to draw water from the newly established Ritza Nature Reserve. And this is where it gets a little strange. So according to the some researchers, the Nazi real, Nazis' real prize, in fact, was the water itself. They believed, according to some, that the water had a special composition. Furthermore, this composition was perfect to make a synthetic blood plasma. Those involved in the project would refer to this apparent mysterious substance as living water. Yes, the video is recording. <laughs> okay, because I thought it heard it made a noise, sorry. Sorry. She was getting paranoid about the video, and it's rightly so because we have had a video stop. <laughs> it's okay, I can see it. Okay, trust me. But yeah, um, those involved in the project would refer to it as living water, and it would be carefully placed into silver containers and then moved by submarine, boat, and plane to Germany along with the substitute blood liquid, peristin, an oxidation production of adrenaline, and it would allow the Nazis to successfully produce this blood plasma on an industrial scale. So, there's a weird conspiracy yeah, there. Yeah, that's a weird one. Mm. I've had a lot of weird conspiracies around blood plasma. Yeah. But... There is an extra twist to the conspiracy as, are, as there was deaths surrounding this tunneling and those who oversaw the construction of the tunnel system, once it was complete, their car would plunge into a ravine, killing all of them. <laughs> so at the end of the project, they were killed. So Did they drive into the marine? Ravine. Ravine. Well, I would say it, all, all we know is that their car plunged into a ravine and they died. Did they do that? Did someone push them off? Was it staged? Like, if it's true, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, it was suicide. Yeah. You know, if you're involved in stuff like that. Yeah. So, kind of coming to the end here was... Um, according to an article in October 1946 edition of Harper's Magazine, the United States had recovered 50 tons of secret Nazi documents relating to the work and research of their top scientists and weapon designers. 
needless to say, along with Operation Paperclip that would transplant hundreds of Nazi scientists to continue their work in America, these documents would assist in building the modern Western world. And that is something that is proven. The, the U.S., after the war, took a lot of the Nazi scientists and brought them over to their side. Yeah, yeah. There's been evidence of that, right? Yeah, and I can't remember. There's a very famous one um, who did quite a lot for us. But, yeah. So, there's a whole bunch of things that in the Nazi documents that they found... Some of the lesser known things was they found over 50,000 different types of dyes, like coloring dyes. Yeah. Um, they were faster and better than those in the United States, and many of them the U.S. didn't know how to make, so it pretty much boosted the American dye industry. And Interesting. <laughs> all the dyes that are coming out of America for the past 10 years have been from that collection that they got from the German research. But it wasn't just in dyes, the advancement was across the board, and they would achieve highly efficient ways to freeze and preserve food. So they got that too, um, which would allow submarines to undertake extended missions without surfacing. They got infrared technology and that would allow Nazi vehicles to travel at full speed at night, and they could see objects as clear as day up to 200 meters ahead. And the infrared technology would also allow tanks to spot targets from two miles away. And a German sniper could pick off a man in total blackness. There were, however, also the grim experiments and scientific research that they got, just one of which would speak of freezing patients to the point of death, all the while monitoring every aspect of their bodily functions with no regards for the patient's ultimate well-being. One report spoke of seven such patients, all of whom died. It later states that the transferring the patient into water in excess of 100 degrees proves preferable. The patient successfully recovers and comes back to life. Grim reading, but important information. Yeah. So there was all sorts of um, experiments and it's stuff. It's torturous. Yeah. Torturous. Mm. Yeah, it's horrible. Did they really test that on humans? Yeah, there's all sorts of horrible human experiments that they were doing. Um, Surprised that's on record. It's so horrible. I'm, sh I'm sure there's even worse stuff on record that we're not even diving into. <laughs> but come, kind of coming full circle um, is that, you know, coming back to the dolmens, which were dated to around 4,600 years old based on the pottery and stuff, but some other researchers contend the dates of their of the actual stone constructions between 10,000 and 25,000 years ago. And what is particularly unique, like we said before, is the 90 degree angles and, um, you know, there's no sign of a nearby quarry, which is... You know, very much kind of how, like, the pyramids of Egypt were. You know, the stone wasn't quarried where it was put eventually, you know. And there's no signs of how they would have gotten it there. And a lot of scientists and archaeologists suggest that they were carrying these stones on boats down the Nile. But these stones are, like, so, so heavy. Like how would it they would lift just... it onto the boat? Yeah. Without... 
some and to transport that much it's like so many tons of stone and it's it's just actually not physically possible to transport it on a boat mm. of the time so in egypt you know they still don't really know and their explanations are kind of not very good and the same thing here we, they don't know where the stone was quarried and how it got to where it was and yeah so you know we talked about the dwarves but um you know they could have been something there could have been dwarves you know we've we've talked about giants we've talked about elves we've talked about hobbits yeah yeti elongated skull people maybe the next is the dwarves <laughs> where are those guys um but yeah there's also some ufo activity within the caucasus mountains and then basically the rest i have is just some myths and legends but i think you can go into those yourself they have like a story similar to a vampire surrounding these things they have a story surrounding this snow yeti around these mountains and um yeah so there is one last thing which is the link to the power cast skull um which are the elongated skulls within peru and many mainstream scientists and archaeologists contend the paraka skulls are a result of an intentional or accidental disfigurement and go watch our previous video because we talk about how that the elongated skulls are natural and they were formed within the uterus there are fetuses archaeological fetus evidence of babies that haven't been born yet found in the mother's womb with these elongated skulls which disproves the theory that all elongated skulls are a result of body morph morph demorphication mm. body morph mortification no that's death more more oh whatever morph body morphication modification yeah there it is <laughs> um yeah so many people on the fringes reject the notion like us and not least because of the multiple differences between them and a standard human skull and one of the differences is the parietal plate of which a human skull would have two the paracus skulls however only have one and this kind of links um this li it's linked to this story because the dna tests show that the original the origins of this parent subspecies is the caucasus mountain regions between the caspian sea and the black sea and like we talked in the previous episode the man who was researching this forester believes that these species migrated from the heart of Europe to Peru thousands of years ago and that they are a result of a hybrid of different people and the Caucasus mountains were important and potential gateway for Babylonian elite or some sort of alien race or mm. and we have you know all those megalithic monuments and stuff and when we kind of pull all these strange things together are they all coincidences are they all separate or is there something going on there but yeah very interesting never seen those skulls before let us know in the comments if you've seen those skulls before mm. really interesting never even heard of these skulls when i was drawing the picture i just did like a doodle of a constellation 
like I just drew some random like I closed my eyes and drew some random star dots and then connected them up yeah and then when I looked up the um I was like okay let's see if I can find a constellation similar to this and I looked it up and it was the um Arcturian Interesting. Arcturus the star of Arcturus so maybe they're Arcturian yeah Maybe you're channeling your Octarian guides. Don't know if I was channeling guides because they didn't tell me anything, but maybe. <laughs> so what do you think about this the skull and I mean we, we we're not surprised by the Nazi involvement. They did have a little hot spot around there. There were briefcases found and then you know, linking to these skulls that were found very close by. Do you think the Nazis found some aliens. Do you think these skulls are aliens? What do you think? Yeah, I think that they there's a high chance that they could be aliens. I just would want them to do like DNA and then you'd know, okay, is it animal, is it human, is it completely different DNA than we've ever seen before? Mm. Um, yeah, that would be very handy. Someone pick this up. Yeah, I'm really not sure, like... I'm very on the fence with it. Yeah. With whether it's like a different type of being, like whether it's an animal, like an animal we've just that's extinct mm. that we don't know anymore that you know. Um, or whether it is a, an alien. It looks alien. And the fact that they're dated only four thousand years mm. it's pretty recent. Terms of... Yeah, it could definitely be alien. Like, I'm definitely on the fence with it. Though. Yeah, I and mean, it's hard because, because if there was like more of them, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard with such small evidence. Mm. Um, we just know that there's some strange skulls. We can't really yeah. explain them, and there hasn't been enough testing on them. But hopefully, we get some answers in the future. Yeah, that'd be so exciting. Hopefully, more people start. We're making awareness around it, and that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, really Come cool. to the end of the episode. This one was kind of an out there one in terms of a lot of... There's a lot of conspiracy in here, but the skulls you can really count on as a concrete skull and yeah. just a question mark in history. And, you know, some people link the Nazi activity to the skulls, but that isn't proven the Nazi activity was proven in that area. We know the Nazis had a lot of connections to occult stuff and, um, you know, had some really strange experiments going on where the two connected. Who knows? It is, a, it is kind of a coincidence that they were found so close together and that this region has um, even has stories of UFO abductions, but these UFO abduction stories were just firsthand accounts. You know, mm. there wasn't much of an investigation into them they were just people kind of telling their stories so i didn't really bring them up here but there is a lot of stuff going on around here um but yeah thank you guys so much for watching yeah thank you i am heading back to london in a couple days so we will be taking a christmas break and hopefully we'll be getting back into it maybe the week of the 28th and getting back into our episodes. We might not see you again until 2023. 
We might not, but hopefully, maybe we might can slip squeeze one in. an episode yeah, in. That would be good. 2023. That's crazy. Should we do another 2023 prediction video? Maybe that will be our next video. Sorry. I'm so hungry, and when I'm hungry, I yawn. Yeah, so, yeah, we could do that, um, because, I mean, we never even really did a follow-up on our 2022 prediction. Maybe our next video could be, a, you know, like a end-of-the-year roundup, maybe? Yeah. Roundup. Don't buy it. Don't support Bill Gates. We've had <laughs> a big year for the podcast. I feel like we've really hit on some great topics. We upgraded to video and um, been a bit more professional, a bit more consistent mm. and diving deep into more, um, I don't know, what would you say, like more hi- historical or... Um, yeah, we got we kind of started a lot on more of a looser framework. And yeah, we was more. Oops, bottle's gone down. Yeah, originally we wanted to create a spiritual podcast, and um, but it's just sort of found its own. It's like it's gone its own path. It's, like, <laughs> it's gone its own way, and yeah, I feel like it's really working. Yeah, I love it. So it's been an interesting year, but I think either the next episode we could do a roundup or we could do another round of predictions would be fun yeah or both yeah cool guys thank you so much for watching so thank you merry christmas yeah merry christmas and also happy hanukkah i guess and also whatever other yeah happy holidays Yule. you're ce- celebrating yeah is it yule time yeah is that the pagan solstice. pagan version yeah yeah all right, guys, thank you so much. And um, Helki's doing her blogmas. Yeah. Till the end of the month. With the blogmas. Yeah. 25 and days. I think that my Kickstarter will still be up for the um, comic book project that I'm working on. Um, I think it'll be going till the end of the month. We have, I think, just under 20 days left for the Kickstarter. So if you guys like sci fi, high sci fi, magical powers and go check it out um it is called the riftwalker saga and we will see you after christmas and after the 25th yeah Yeah. thank you so much guys okay bye